0: Welcome to Improving Sales Performance, a podcast highlighting tips and insights aimed at helping sales organizations realize and maybe even exceed their goals. Here, we chat with thought leaders, experts, and gurus who have years of sales experience from a wide range of industries. I'm your host, Matt Sunshine, CEO at the Center for Sales Strategy, a sales performance consulting company. In this episode, we're continuing our season-long deep dive into the latest talent magazine from the Center for Sales Strategy. And today, Emily Esti and Tirza Thornbird are here to help break down the latest facts and trends when it comes to selection. Together, Emily and Tirza bring so many great points to the table. Things such as why it pays to do the stressing before you hire and not after how talent banks are a great tool for hiring both internally and externally, and finally, why holding out for talent, even when the candidate pool is extremely tight, is always the right decision. With that, let's get the conversation going. All right. So what are some of the biggest trends when it comes to selection? Are there any major areas of focus that 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 you're passionate about that you can speak to? Tirza, coming to you first on that one.
1: All right. Well, first thing is because the economy is super unstable right now. Um, companies are looking hard at their bottom lines. So finding the right person and putting them in the right seat is really important right now. If someone's talented, but they're put in the wrong position and they're not happy and they quit, then everybody suffers. It's going to negatively impact the team, the company, everybody. So nobody has time or the resources to make a bad hire. So it's really, really important to put the work in before you're hiring. Find the right candidate. Make sure they have the right talents, the right skills um, that are going to help them succeed in that position and then really just giving them the training, giving them the onboarding that they need to be successful. It's really important to put that, that training and that, that onboarding thought into focus right now, as opposed to doing it after you hire this person. You can't, I mean, it used to be somebody would just be handed a phone book and said, here, you know what? <laughs> Do your cold calling from the phone book. Um, or, you know, managers, and I've had managers express, hey, you know what? Just jump in. You know, this person's experienced. They know what they're doing. They can just jump in those days really are gone. I mean, honestly, you have to think about how you're going to onboard. You have to have training, even for somebody who's been in the industry for 30 years. They need to know how you do things. They need to know what's important to your company. So really putting that effort in beforehand. And for me, I mean, I'm just really passionate about helping managers find the right person and put them in the right seat, do the stressing before they hire so that they don't have to stress afterwards. So they have that onboarding plan available and they can say, Hey, you know, I know how to get this person on board and successful. So really just helping them to do that is really important to me right now.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think it's, selection has always been really important, but I think what you're saying, and, and I know I'm seeing this too, and Emily, I would love for you to jump in, but there's a, there's a, Big gap between the 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 experience level sometimes of the people doing the hiring and the people being hired, mm-hmm. and the people doing the hiring remember well when I got started. This is what the way it was, and the people doing getting selected are like, well, that's really nice, but I got a lot of choices to choose from, and a lot of these other companies are offering really good onboarding and really good training and really good everything. So I'm glad that's the way you did it long time ago, but I'm doing it the way they do it now and go in this direction. That's, that's the scientific version of saying, I mean,
2: we, yeah, we've been hired by companies because they were interviewing people and you know, some of the people that they were interviewing were like, well, what's your, tell me about your onboarding plan. What's your training plan? And they're like, you know, <laughs> I don't, Have one. Like, I mean, literally like that's part of, part of how we've gotten, you know, been brought on board before. I would just say that like, I'm still, I mean, I don't know if this is not a trend, but I'm super passionate about the, you know, any sort of job analysis and specification sheet. Like you have to be buttoned up to know exactly what you're looking for Because that bright and shiny thing comes along, you know, that bright and shiny person, not thing, but person comes along and maybe they have just positivity off the charts and you're just like blinded by it. Um, I see that happen. I mean, I when I'm working with my clients, that's one of the biggest. I'm really hard on them when it comes to selection. I'm really hard on them. Um, And I think you have to know exactly what you want. And then make sure that you hire for exactly what you want, not for what you think you love.
0: Yeah, that's well said. So, Emily, in this year's Talent Magazine, which, by the way, anyone listening to this, if you haven't seen the Talent Magazine, you should because it's amazing. You wrote a case study discussing how oftentimes utilizing a talent bank not only can help when when selecting external candidates but also internal candidates or internal people could you give some of your thoughts on that and maybe offer up a few tips around how companies can best utilize that kind of approach
2: well I, my my thought is first is that i don't think companies do that enough usually There's very few leadership positions and there's a lot of like sales positions in our case, a lot of sales positions and not very many leadership positions. So I think sometimes leaders just, it's not even on their radar because they're like, oh, there's a whole succession thing that's going to happen here. And, you know, I don't know if any of these people are going to do it. The other thing that's really important to remember is a lot of times um, in this case that I wrote about um, the... um, This person was a salesperson who then got promoted to a manager. And again, that doesn't happen that often internally because we don't have the positions available. But I think the most important thing is that you have to keep your eyes open because even if you're not developing a leader for, your organization, you might be developing a leader for somewhere else down the road. So be be mindful of those people that are, who are going above and beyond, who are jumping at more opportunities to take on more and and consider your role as being a developer of people. Like that's really what we want to be thinking about. How are you contributing to the growth of your team? Um, you're gonna see some internal candidates pop from that, and I think it's really awesome when you have a known person. We also have to remember, um, you know, not all salespeople are great managers, right? Like, we know that for sure, and just because they've been there the longest doesn't mean they should be the manager. Um, so but but there are those special people who who can be both great salespeople and great managers, and it's important to just Really keep your eyes open and give those people opportunities.
0: Yeah. yeah well well said. And I I really like the way you you focused and and, and spent a, a few seconds talking about the fact that we're people developers, first right. and foremost. That's what we should be doing. I mean, and you're right, sometimes we don't have in our own company the opportunity to help to give a position. Right. To someone, but that doesn't mean that person still shouldn't get that position. And I know this sounds so like people listening, probably like, are you saying we should like make people leave our company? But sometimes they do. And that's sometimes
2: OK. Yeah. But I mean, if you're that person that I mean, do you know, like. Okay, great. So you're that person that develops people and maybe they go someplace else, but how do they feel about you for the rest of their life? Right. And how how, what kind of good branding are you gonna get from that particular person? Like, you know, like they're gonna spread that reputation all over the place. So I mean what? They either come. Good things
0: happen when you do the right thing. Right. Good things happen when you when you do the right thing. Yes. So let me throw this out there. This one, this question's for either one of you. Uh, the gig economy, um, we've heard a lot about the gig economy over the last couple of years. Um, it has brought about new challenges in terms of selecting and evaluating um, freelancers and, and contract workers. Is, are there any unique considerations that should be um, that companies should have in mind when hiring in this context?
1: So to say I, have, oh, I would say, I have an interesting view on that just because I was a contractor and I did that for a couple of years and then the right position came up and mm-hmm. I moved into that position and I've been there ever since. And so honestly, still talent's important. I mean, when you're trying to find the right contractor, they need to match you know, the talents that you're looking for because you're potentially hiring for somebody that then you might hire full time later yeah. on. So you don't just want to hire thinking, ah, they'll be here for a little bit of time and then we don't have to worry about them. And then the other thing is you also want to think about your team's culture. Yes, maybe they're a temp worker or maybe they won't be in the office all the time. But nonetheless, a single person who doesn't fit on the team can really wreck your team if you hire badly. So you want to make sure your contractor aligns with the culture you've built. Um, you know, are they going to be honest? Are they going to be, you know, fit in well with your team, even if they're not working with the team full time, you might want to take the temperature of your team, make sure that your full time workers are not worried that they're going to be replaced by contractors, because that's the other big concern right now, is, is my job in jeopardy, because they're hiring part time people, or they're hiring contractors, are they going to, you know, lose me. So, People are worried about the economy. You want to make sure that the team knows, hey, you guys are good. We're just bringing on somebody who's going to help out and then make sure that person fits in on the team as well.
2: Yeah, I love all that. The only thing I would say is I think demonstrations of work are important, right? Like, is there a portfolio? Is there um, if you're hiring somebody to, you know, freelance video or freelance editing or whatever, we need to know that they can do that job because, we don't have the opportunity to train those. That's part of the reason why you hire contractors. So I think demonstrations of work is the only thing I'd add to what Tirza said.
0: Yeah. And I just want to double click, Tirza, on something you said um, about the culture. So companies should have core values. Um, I know we have core values, equality, integrity, and responsiveness. And whether you're a contractor, a, um, a freelancer, full-time employee, a part-time employee, our core values don't change for you. It's still right. quality, integrity, and responsiveness. So you're, if you, someone comes on <clears throat> for us as a contractor, that doesn't mean that they don't have to participate in that. that. Right. still is there. Right.
2: And that's why, that's one of the reasons why you have core values, Right because then everybody's held to the same standard and the same expectation. So then you immediately know if you've hired a contractor and they do not live up to whatever your core value, it becomes pretty clear pretty fast,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah, so. contractors are great. I love. I, I actually think it's um, it's good for a I lot of companies to be using contractors and freelancers. I think it's smart. Brings in fresh perspectives. Yeah. Um, brings in new ideas. Um, maybe helps you accelerate and get things done faster than you than you could. Allows you to scale up and down based on based on your your needs. needs. Yep. But talent, experience, and fit still important. Yep. Exactly. All right. Tears, this one's coming at you because you had an article in the talent magazine where you talked about the 90 day quitting trend and how to overcome it, which what a provocative headline. that is! I know everyone's like, what does she mean? So why is it? Why is it that so many new employees walk away around the three month mark? And how can companies best ensure that they aren't fueling this trend?
1: So when I was doing research for this article, um, I ran into a really scary um, uh, statistic and they said that back in 2019, about one in five people quit in their first 90 days, that that was a trend that they noticed back then. 2022, it's up to almost one in three, um, which is kind of terrifying (laughs) because, you know, suddenly you're hiring somebody, you're putting this effort into training them and a lot of managers You know, they really do a great job. You know, they're really good at onboarding. They're really good at training. The person stays for approximately 90 to 120 days and then quits. The main reason in sales that we've seen is, quite frankly, prospecting and um, cold calling. They hate it. And it it happens. New hires think, oh, it's going to be easy. I mean, how hard can it be? And then then they actually get into it. They're like, wow, this is hard. (laughs) I don't like it. So they Mm -hmm. quit. Um, experienced sellers too. This is not just limited to new sellers, people who are new to sales. It is um, experienced sellers. They've been in the industry 20, 30 years, but they didn't have to do the cold calling. They didn't have to do the prospecting at the previous job. Um, nowadays I haven't run into a manager in the last probably two and a half, three years that said, Oh, you know, we just give them a big list and they don't have to cold call. Everybody has to cold call. A lot of experienced sellers quit their old jobs because their manager said, hey, guess what? You have to cold call now. And they go to a new job thinking, well, this is going to be better. And it's not. And so they're quitting, too. So really, really important. The best thing that you can do is make sure that that cold calling expectation is really clear. I mean, quite honestly, if it's not blatantly clear to your new hire, you haven't done your job. Um, couple of things that you can do, Emily. You mentioned that job analysis and spec sheets super important. Um, define what the role is going to require. What talents does this person need? What experience do they need? Um, what are your must-haves? I talk to a lot of managers who get blinded by the shine. Somebody has an awesome personality, like we love them. We want to make them ours. But they ignore the fact that this person has, does not have their new business development talents. So it's really important. What are my must-haves before I meet the person? And you know, before I even look at their assessment, what are my must-have talents? What can I not live without? Then you can ask. You can create your job posting, and you want to make sure you're fishing with the right bait. I'm looking for a hunter, and so therefore, this is the language that I'm going to use to make sure that person is excited. They're competitive. They're a hard worker. Um, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, that job posting is fitted for the right type of candidate. Also your internal referrals, reach out to the person who has that experience, who is that hunter or who is that person who's great at developing relationships. And who do you know? Is there somebody in your professional network? Is there somebody in your personal network that's going to, that resonates with them? If they say, you know, I was thinking about it and, you know, so-and-so, they would be great at this job. Awesome. I want their contact information. I want to reach out to them. Really important to make sure that you're looking for the right candidates and then that you give them that assessment so they know, you. Know, so that you know, hey, they've got those talents or, you know, <laughs> they should have been great, but those talents are just not really there. I'm a little concerned. Um, I tell managers all the time, definitely listen to your instincts. Person might say all the right things, but if you've got kind of this sense, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous here. Listen to that instinct. Are they saying the right things, but maybe not demonstrating it? Make sure that this person is going to be good for this job. Um, definitely do, you know, try and get feedback before you hire. What are their talents look like? How are they going to work together? How are they going to fight against each other? Um, and then again, really important to think about how are you going to make sure, first of all, that the cold calling, the prospecting expectation is crystal clear, and then also can you have them demonstrate that um, I'm a huge fan of having them bring in a prospect list. Hey, here's a hundred people that I can call on in my first couple hey, of weeks on the job. job. Great, let's look at that. Hey, some of them are you know being called on by other by other people, mm-hmm. some of them do not meet the qualifications that we need. They're gonna see that list dwindle and that's gonna be a real life, oh hey, it's not as easy as I thought it was what is this going to look like? Okay. Who are the other people that you would call on? Cause your list of a hundred people just dropped down to 50. Yeah. That's the real life. This is what it's going to be like. There are a lot of different ways that you can kind of audition that job, but definitely doing that so that they understand what cold calling is going to be like in real life. So they don't get on the job. You put that training in and then they quit at 90 or 120 days.
0: Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I think that's, that's great. And the more experience that you have with that, the better let's, I want to, I want to, um, I want to use that, your answer, to talk a little bit more about referrals. And Emily, let me come to you on this one. Um, Employee referrals has been proven to be a very effective way. In fact, our research would say it's the most effective way um, over the years to find quality candidates. In your experience or your expertise, how can organizations optimize their employee referral program? to help them make those smart hires and, and get more in the, in the pipeline, get, bring more to the talent bank, anything you're seeing out there right now?
2: Well, first of all, I have to say that that's how I got my job at CSS was from an employee referral. Um, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's how we do a lot of those hires. Yes. So, yes. Um, so the first thing I have to say about this is your employees, employees will, Refer candidates to a company they love working for, first and foremost. So, if your culture isn't in check, you probably need to look at that. If you are asking for employee referrals and you're getting a lot of like blank stares, then that's probably your first sign that maybe the culture needs a little reshaping. But beyond that, um, I think, and even with that, sometimes you're likely probably going to have a smaller group of people who will really do this for you. It's probably not going to be everybody. I mean, we know some people are just better at recruiting than others, right? Like we know that Um, it's a talent that we look at. Um, So I think um, one of the best things to do is Maybe you have a referral team. Maybe you get those people together and they try to they either compete with each other for the most referrals or they as a group are the referral team and they're always actively looking for people out there. Um, you could always give them an incentive, incentive, pay a referral bonus. that's something that people do often. But the other thing too is making sure that your team, if you even have a referral team or that your team, gets the opportunity to hire people that they want to work with. So that, I think that is really important. Um, and I, re, you know, in our company, we ask often, like, who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? And we kind of never stop asking that. So um, that continues to make people really think about it. Set, yeah. set aside like thoughts about referrals. Like, who do you know? We're going to give you Fifteen minutes in this sales meeting to think about who you know. Give them time to do it. Um, just a few. Just
0: a few. Reminds me a lot of the nominator process. That 100%. You're not not who do you know that's looking for a job. Who do you know that is really good at,
2: yeah, at this. this? Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: you know the other other thing I'll say about this, and this came up in a talent in a talent focused management workshop recently. T- uh, TFM. Um, and I don't remember who said this, so and I'm gonna butcher the quote. So right. how about that? I don't know who said it and I don't even know what the quote is. I but, don't
2: even know if it's true and it's I don't right. know who said but
0: it. I get the gist of what I'm about to say. That if if people are a on a scale of one to ten, if they're a nine or a ten, okay, nines and tens like to be surrounded by nines and tens.
2: Right. Yep.
0: right yep. people that are like a five or six they like to be surrounded by people that are threes and fours right because they like to look better wow. than, than the others wow. but folks that are nines and tens they want to be surrounded with people are that are just as good as them yep. and i don't know if that is i don't need to see data to know I that know that's 100 percent true 100
2: yeah. percent true right? absolutely
0: All right. Last question for the both of you, Um, and I would like both of you to respond to this. If there's one piece of advice that you could give in the realm of selection, what would that be? What's an actionable takeaway that someone um, that someone could use that might might be real beneficial for them? Tears go.
1: Okay, mine is hold out for talent. I you just you have to. The, the candidate pool is tight, and we really get that. The last 18 months have been really hard, and so many managers are like, I've been trying, I've been trying, and I just, I got to hire a warm body. I, I just don't care. I got to hire somebody, I, you know, and my advice is don't, just just don't. <laughs> a lot of managers are frustrated. I get it. They're making desperation hires, and they almost always backfire they quit after again they quit after 90 days if they don't quit um, it's almost worse because then you're trying to yeah. let them go yeah. and you're trying to shove them out the door and they don't want to leave so yeah. my best advice hold out for talent create your mice have list you know, create that job posting and just make the right hire don't make desperation hires because it's the worst thing you can do right now
0: Emily. Um,
2: Um, Mine is don't be in a hurry. So there you go. Tarza and I are exactly on the same page. Coming at it from just a little bit of a different angle, though, um, every hire that you make is a reflection on you as the hiring manager, right? Your reputation is at stake with not only your clients, but also internally with the people that uh, people that are already working for your team, right? So make sure it's a nine or 10, make sure it fits with the group because it really is, people are going to be looking at you first going, what What are you doing? Um, so that's, you know, whenever I'm talking with managers, I'm always like, you know, if you hire this person, how's that going to reflect on you?
0: Yeah, it sends a message to everyone else. Message this message. is what I think looks, this is what I think good is
2: because right. I
0: just hired this person.
2: That's right. Absolutely,
0: yeah. Guys, excellent, excellent, excellent uh, information today. Thank you so much for sharing. Everyone listening, Bye. thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that. Um, uh, if you want to reach out and connect with either Tears Up or Emily, we'll have their uh, LinkedIn, uh, li- uh, the links to their LinkedIn uh, in the show notes. So please do that. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again on another episode of the sales performance, improving sales performance podcast. See you later. Awesome.
1: Thanks, Matt. Bye. Thanks, Matt.
0: This has been improving sales performance. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, join us every week by clicking the subscribe button. For more on the topics covered in the show, visit our website, thecenterforsalesstrategy.com. There you can find helpful resources and content aimed at improving your sales performance.